There are three certainties about being alive that you cannot avoid. The first is there will be pain. The second is there will be uncertainty. And the third is there will be hard work. Those three things are inescapable parts of being alive. Being in a relationship is hard. Being alone is hard. Being rich is hard. Getting rich is hard. Being poor is hard. Getting out of being poor is hard. Nothing, nothing in this world is easy. Doing, just sitting, no matter who is listening to this, there is no doubt in my mind they have pain, they have uncertainty, and they will have to work. Even if it means being homeless, you are working. And I, I just will say, improving and changing your lot in life is not done overnight. It's just to reinforce what you said. It is a series of small incremental improvements. And it starts by knowing yourself and saying, why am I here? Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. We've got a great one for you today. Straight out of New York and Laguna Beach, we've got Joe John Duran, who is the head of personal financial management for Goldman Sachs. He was the president of GE Financial Management. He's going to talk about do you live in a kind or hostile environment and how to become empowered through that mindset. He's gone from selling hot dogs and defending his family with a machine gun in Africa during the revolution in Zimbabwe to selling a company to GE and becoming the president of that division, selling a company to Goldman Sachs and becoming the head of that division, wrote a book called Build It, Sell It, Make a Mint, two MBAs, Columbia and Berkeley. We've got a powerhouse on today. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Joe John Duran, I know you're on CNN all the time. I know you're on Fox. I know you're in all the newspapers, and I really appreciate you taking time to hopefully make yourself famous by coming on the Edge of Excellence. Well, finally, I get to shine in the most important podcast I've ever participated in my life, so I'm really happy to be here, most especially, Matt, because you're one of my dearest friends in the world. So this is uh, going to be a lot of fun to be with you. Well, I, I, and I appreciate have no that secrets can... from you, sadly. So uh, well, well, be gentle. Well, we're not going to share them all today. <laughs> right. We're not going to share them all today. But I appreciate you making time, sharing your insights, helping people understand your path. And we're going to start off the way we always start off. Joe John Duran, what is your definition of excellence? Living with integrity. That's my the only thing that matters in this world, living up to the standards you set up for yourself. So if you, you know, tell everybody that you're a liar, a chief, and a thief, and you honor that promise and you commit to it, and you continue to be a liar, cheat, and a thief, you can be excellent? You well, integrity. I, I believe if you live with integrity, 
it assumes that you have standards that are good in some way. So I, I, I'm not somebody who could imagine that I could live without integrity. Integrity mean, means basically that you have a set of beliefs about who you are and you live up to them every day or as closely as every day as you can. Okay, so living with integrity provided that it's coupled with morals and standards that are generally accepted by society. Yes. Okay. Well, let's get into your life. And man, Joe John's got a cool life. Uh, Running with the Bulls. Not once, not twice. 11 times he ran with the Bulls. One of those I was there for. It was kind of scary for me, but it was his, I think it was his 10th time. Not so scary for him. Every decade of my life. I've, I've run since I was a teenager, every decade of my life. But you're not 100 years old, so you've run uh, a few I've times. My, when I was 18, I was stupid enough to do it multiple times. Multiple times in my 20s, so lots of times. All right. And in addition to yoga almost every day, making sure the entire team at uh, uh, United Capital uh, exercise in the middle of the day. You sold a company to GE. You sold a company to Goldman Sachs. You're currently a partner and head of personal financial management at Goldman Sachs. So running all the wealth management, you were president of GE Private Asset Management after you sold your company, Centurion Capital, to GE and basically gave them the financial platform to help people with money. You've written three books. You've written a New York Times bestseller called The Money Code. You ha- you've, you've done it all, but it didn't start off that way. Didn't no. start off that way. And we're going to get into what you do and how you get there and what sort of life you need to lead to become a partner at Goldman or president of a division of GE. But prior to that, your life was a little bit different than a lot of our listeners. Now, there are people listening today that have had a rough time. and There are people today that might need a little help dealing with uh, some of their uh, emotional struggles. Joe John's been through that. He grew up in what was called Rhodesia and became Zimbabwe. He was there during a revolution. I like the story of sitting on a rock outside his house at, I believe, 11 years old with a machine gun on his lap uh, protecting his his sisters. But if we go way back at 11 years old, you're selling hot dogs and working in a clothing factory as, I believe, a manager. You know, managing the production. I I started, I was selling hot dogs at 11, but I only got to manage the... The clothing, the night clothing manager when I was 16. So, but I worked from, from 11 years old on. I didn't have a choice. I had to work. And why did you have to work? Well, because I didn't have parents that could provide anything. So anything I wanted, I had to make money and didn't really have a choice. Yeah, had so a broken you... family. Uh, interestingly enough, and I think this is an interesting insight that will be useful for your listeners, uh, Matt. I was. I grew up in a in a very racist country, and so when you grow up surrounded by racists, you are a racist. And I was a racist till I was twelve or thirteen. I didn't know any better. And my school was almost all white kids and a couple, a handful of really rich black kids. It was a public school, and then it became Zimbabwe when I was like twelve or thirteen. And all of a sudden, I went from, and, and all the white kids left except for the twenty or thirty poor white kids. And I was one of those. So the school went from being 600 white kids and 20 black kids who had money to the reverse. And I was suddenly at school with kids who had nothing. And it changed my whole life because 
this really opened my eyes to the fact that we're all the same and that the story you tell yourself, I didn't know any different, but all of a sudden I'm playing rugby with these kids who I thought were different than me in one way or another. And we were all the same. Like we were all the same. We all wanted to be happy. We all wanted to do okay at school, but do as little as humanly possible. It was an all boys school. So, you know, you fight about girls. Like it was all the same. And, uh, and it was one of the jarring moments where you go, oh, my God, it's like you go through the matrix. You're like, I thought this the world was a certain way. And oh, my God, it isn't. And I will say I have one huge advantage. When you come with no stability in your life and all the authority figures turn out to be wrong, it makes you question everything. And there's nothing better for an entrepreneur or a business person than to have that deep-seated grounding that your life is made up of a series of stories and perspectives that are often completely false. And that that might change in an instant and it might change in years. But I, I never believe that humans are stable and stay the same because you're not the same. We won't be the same 30 minutes from now, Matt, than we are right now. And it changed my whole view about building businesses, being successful, just knowing that I think about this way right now and it will change. Everything is fluid. And, and so, again, it just changes everything. When you grow up with no stability, you don't expect. And I, I use this analogy that comes from my studies. As you know, I study a lot of philosophy and Vedanta in particular. The idea that you, you're not sitting on the side of a riverbank with the water rushing by and noticing a change. You're in the water. You're a leaf in the water. And everything, one minute you'll be going over a waterfall, the next minute you'll be in this calm lagoon, and then you'll go over another little rocky period. And that's life. Like you're, you're not sitting in a stable spot watching life go by. You are in the water and you are a leaf in it. And sometimes it's going to be sunny and beautiful. Sometimes it'll rain on you. And how do you adjust to the fact that nothing in your life will ever be, uncertainty is just a part of life. And how do you deal with that? So you're growing up in Rhodesia, which becomes Zimbabwe. You find out that all the authorities that have told you everything they've told you are wrong. And so that instills in you, I need to keep challenging the status quo. Yep. You don't have a whole lot of cash. You got to work to provide. That instills this incredible work ethic that you have. And you realize that your family life isn't stable, your community isn't stable, the region isn't stable, the world isn't stable. So it prepares yourself to build businesses, sell businesses for all this lack of stability. You kind of are used to it and expecting it. And I'd say one other thing. I had a huge advantage, and that's that I had no choices. Like, I had no choices. I had a single mom who was facing bankruptcy. I had a dad who was incredibly unstable and violent, and I had to survive. And so when I came to America with $200 in my pocket, when I left uh, Zimbabwe and went to Europe, I had nothing. And so I had no choice. Like when you have nothing, you know, my daughters have choices and they, they struggle with choices. I just had to eat. So I'm like, I just got to do whatever it takes to survive. So and sometimes that's an advantage, believe it or not. Well, and you, you and I have spent a lot of time with uh, two types of people. I, actually, I'm the one in the middle, you know, grew up kind of middle class. But we have a lot of friends 
that have a similar background to Joe John. Now, maybe not as extreme. And you can read Joe John's book, but when he talks about his father being violent, there's extreme violence, an axe handle to the head. When he talks about you know some of his financial struggles, there was extreme poverty. And we we have a few friends that have been through some similar circumstances. And then we have some friends that grew up flying around on private jets with a silver spoon in their mouth. What would you tell someone in a similar boat? There's people listening to this right now. I've met them. They've got similar uh, experiences with their parents, violence. Um, they've got ex- similar similar experiences with poverty. They just need to eat. What would you tell them as they're struggling through this, you know, from a person that's made it all the way to the top? How can you help them see the big picture uh, through what they're experiencing right now? Well, the number one thing I tell everyone in this world, there's one quote that if you internalize it and believe it will change your life. And it's from Albert Einstein. And the quote is, the most important decision a person can make is whether they live in a kind or hostile universe. Let me share with you why that matters. Your perspective about whether the world is happening for you or to you will determine everything about your life. And what do I mean by that? If you think that the world is happening to you, you become a victim of everything that happens. If you believe that this is all happening for a reason, that the world wants you to grow and thrive and be the best version of you, you become completely responsible and own everything you do to react. You have no control about what the world's going to do with you. Like you might, you might have your bad parents. You might grow up in a tough environment. You might have a car accident. You might get cancer. You have no control over any of it. You have only one thing you can control, and that's yourself and your reactions. And if you don't know yourself, and if you don't know how to manage yourself, and if you think of yourself as a victim, hey, I grew up in Zimbabwe with nothing. And what am I meant to do? You will stay exactly where you are. If you say, hell no, this has happened. It is grooming me to do things. It is teaching me lessons that are valuable. And when you get punched in the face, which you will, to take that lesson and say, oh, okay, I better not put my face in that place. And now I'm going to dust off. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do better. And when you fall on your face again, which you will do, as long as every time the bad things happen, you deal with it, and then you say, what can I take away from this thing? Because the world is kind and fair and just, and it is teaching me something I need so that I can win tomorrow. If you have that line lens, which you can control, literally, I meditate, as you know, every single morning. If you wake up every day and just find who you are and say, the world is kind, and it might not be a good day, but it's there for a reason. And if you can then, when you go to sleep at night, before you close your eyes, lie there and say, did I live up to the human I want to be? Did I live up to my expectations of myself, not other people's? not what other people think you should do. Do I feel good and do I feel proud of my day? And as you know, I'm an obsessively disciplined human being uh, and being balanced. And as you know, I beat the hell out of myself. So I am tougher on myself than I should be. I never feel accomplished. I never feel good enough. 
That's not good either. And I'm working on that. But I know one thing. I would take none, none of the setbacks, none of the pain, none of the punches in the face, because I would change nothing about where I am right now. Now, I might have won the lottery. It could just be that I coin flipped and every coin I flipped just turned out heads. But there's also a possibility. And I started the second company really with, I just wanted to prove I hadn't just been lucky when I built the first big one. And the second one ended up being significantly bigger, much faster than the first one. And so there are some principles that I hope will be useful that we can talk about, about how you navigate and build. But it starts with one number one thing. Do you believe the world is happening for you or to you as a kind or hostile? Even though there will be times when it feels like it's hostile, if you under fundamentally believe it's happening for a reason so that you can actually get what you need by the time you die, whenever that happens to be, then you're going to be better, happier, and more successful without any reservations. So then we got to get into the how. So you, you need to um, control your reaction, you said. Uh, you need to uh, check how you're looking at the world. Is it happening to you or for you? But the how is difficult. And you, you mentioned you read uh, Vedanta. You've read all the books. We've seen all the leaders come speak either privately or in a big group. If it's not on, you read all the books. Dalai Lama, you've met him uh, with me, read all the books. And I'm just reminded of a time you and I were headed down to Columbia to have a nice vacation. And I wasn't practicing well. I wasn't practicing my reaction control well. I wasn't practicing my positivity well. I wasn't practicing is the world happening to me or or for me. And we got on a plane and it didn't go to Columbia. It went to San Francisco. And we spent three full days, Philip Moffat meditating, studying how to control our reaction. So I do want to say, you know, Joe John had to make a decision when he was a little kid sitting on that rock with a machine gun on his lap, protecting his little sisters. He had to make a decision right then or there. Am I going to uh, look for the lesson or am I going to dwell on the pain? So we know you made it when you're 11 and 13 and 15. Then he left and he's on his own in Spain and on his phone and on his own in America, he had to make that decision again. And you started to develop some techniques to control your mindset, to control your reactions, to put yourself in the right place. So you mentioned you meditate daily. Um, you've taught others to meditate, including me. You've uh, forced others to take up the practice, not forced, but shown them why, including me. You've read the books, you've done studying, and it takes a while. So you're not going to go from, oh, my life sucks, this is miserable, to what am I learning and you know how can I grow from this immediately? But if you're in that situation, what's the quick advice to change that mindset? Um, well, how do I'll they figure you, it look, out? Here's the thing. You're right about one thing. There's a there's an amazing documentary that I recommend everyone watch. It's very funny, Jonah Hill, and it's on Netflix if you have it. It's called Stutz. And he says one thing. He's it's very Zen Buddhist, by the way. A lot of what he says is what I believe in. But there's one comment he makes that I, I highlight and have shared often after watching that documentary, because it's true. There are three certainties about being alive that you cannot avoid. The first is there will be pain. The second is there will be uncertainty. And the third is there will be hard work. Those three things are inescapable parts of being alive. Being in a relationship is hard. Being alone is hard. Being rich is hard. 
getting rich is hard. Being poor is hard. Getting out of being poor is hard. Nothing, nothing in this world is easy. Doing, just sitting, no matter who is listening to this, there is no doubt in my mind they have pain, they have uncertainty, and they will have to work. Even if it means being homeless, you are working. And I, I just will say, improving and changing your lot in life is not done overnight. It's just to reinforce what you said. It is a series of small incremental improvements. And it starts by knowing yourself and saying, why am I here? And I will say one thing, Matt. I, I had a, when I sold the first company, as you know, I, I came with nothing. And we sold the first company at the time, it felt like a lot of money. It was uh, the early 2000s for 125 million bucks. Uh, oh, please Electric. don't start this again. By the way, if you're listening right now, I have to sit with these assholes and listen to <laughs> them talk about what's not a lot of money and what is a lot of money. At the time, $125 company, million dollars is a lot of money. Does it feel like a lot of money? It is a lot I'm of saying money. I had a lot of partners and all the rest. I got a, a pro rata share of that. But here's the thing. I'm walking with a friend and he says, you must be so happy. You came here with nothing. You have an amazing wife. You have these incredible daughters. You accomplished this huge success. And I'm 34 years old. I did it in nine years from starting to selling it. And I'm like, I am miserable. I've lost all sense of identity. I don't know what I'm doing. And I spent that time, I had a two-year non-compete. I went to grad school, did some interesting things. But then I sat down and I said, why am I here? And I wish I'd have done it sooner. You know, I, I didn't have the luxury because I just had to eat and survive. This is an important question that I would suggest everyone ask themselves. Why do you exist? Like, what is your, why are you on this planet? Like, when you wake up every day and you go through your grind, what's the purpose of it? And most human beings spend so little time staring at themselves, especially now with social media. You spend so much time living life through other people. And none of them are going to be with you. You live, you are born alone, you will die alone. Everything in between is the set of choices that you make. When you die, Albert Camus, a famous philosopher, said that your life will be the sum of your choices. And how you choose is very much dictated by how you think. And so the first step is to change how you think. And you start by knowing who you are. I'll suggest a book. And as you know, I'm a big believer in giving people tactile things they can do. Go read the book Awareness by Anthony DeMello. He was a Buddhist monk who became a Jesuit priest, very well studied. And it starts with a very simple idea, which is, who are you? And unpack all the lies and stories you tell yourself to make yourself feel good or beat yourself up, whatever it is that you do, and get to the truth. because. We are fragile. You don't matter. You think you matter, but you don't. It's, you only matter because you're sitting right here thinking that you matter. But in the grand scheme of things, you're just a ball of energy in a set of bones and, and a combination of things that were in the ground before you were born and will go back to the ground when you're gone. And all there is in between is your perception which is not this thing. It's not your brain. It's the thing that's experiencing your life. And if there's some things that are going to make you happy and something that make you sad, you need to know what they are so that you can run to the things that are good. So that's the first thing. Know your mindset. Know what drives you. Know what makes you happy. And unpack the lies that you tell yourself. Unpack the perspective and the biases that get you to not see yourself honestly. 
The second is be prepared to work. Just honestly, five minutes in the morning, every day, just five minutes of sitting down and saying, this is who I am. And I am here. This is the second one that's really important to give more than I take. I will tell you, I know this is going to sound weird, but in every moment of my life where I have felt bad about myself, it's because I was thinking about what I was going to get out of things. It is impossible to be happy, impossible to be happy if you do things for yourself, impossible. I promise you, you will not be as successful. You might make money. There are plenty of selfish people who make tons of money, but they never feel really good about themselves. And I work, as you know, with many, many, many people who have money. That My whole career has been working with people with money. And there's no correlation between wealth and happiness. Once you get over 72,000 bucks in income, so it takes a while to get there, but most people, if they've worked for a while, will get to 60, 70,000 and you can pay your bills and take care of the basics. Your happiness will be completely dependent on how you think about your choices and making sure, making sure that you are giving more than you're getting. And you know, we, you, me and Matt, you and me, Matt, we have really good friends who all share that ethos and it makes you happy and it makes you successful. When people know that you are giving them guidance because it's good for them, not because it's good for me, people trust you, but it can't be words. They have to be genuinely true. And I have a practice I use, and this is another great book for all the, all the younger listeners here. The book that changed my life when I was 14, it's going to sound like a crazy title, The Greatest Salesman in the World by a man called Og Magdalbino, who's written in like the 30s or 40s or something. It's a very short book. It'll take you 30 minutes, 40 minutes to read. And it has these scrolls. It's actually pretty fun to read. But I actually did that. And that basically each scroll, you're meant to practice this thing for a week. And one of them is to every time you meet someone, say, I love you, and how can I serve you? And I practice that still. When I go give a speech right before coming to this podcast, I'm thinking, okay, I love everybody listening here, and how can I serve them? And it's, you don't have to say it. As you know, I say I love you to lots of people because I mean it. But I, when I was younger and more shy and more reserved, I would still go through the exercise of thinking, I love you. Even to people I despised, I would say, I love you. You are a human and I'm here to serve you. And when you have that mindset, everybody around you wants to be with you. Everybody around you wants to bring you the best of themselves. And if you're going to build a business, you're going to work. You want to be successful, work hard and work with a genuinely giving heart. You will get your peace. If you believe the world is kind, you will get yours. But you have to believe, first, that the world is kind and fair. And second, if that's true, then be a good servant. Like, don't be better than anyone. Everyone is as good as you. They're just in a different spot. And if you get rid of the idea that you're superior, or this person's better, if you just can wipe that out and say, it doesn't matter what my neighbors are doing. That's their life. They're born alone. They're going to die alone. I got my life, and my life is about doing things that I'm proud of and giving. And yes, you've got to take care of yourself. And yes, you've got to be economically successful. But you should always feel like 
no matter how I look at it, I have always given more than I've taken back in every interaction, in every relationship. And you will make mistakes and you will have moments where you're more selfish. But, you know, I've been married now for almost 30 years, been with Jen for 33. We have a vibrant and amazing marriage. And we both work really hard every day at making sure that we have filled each other's well. And I try to have that with everyone that I touch, my friendships, my my daughters, with with everyone, with everyone I work with, that I can always say to them, every decision I made was to try to serve you and what was right for you. Even the tough things, like when you have to fire somebody and you know they're not good enough, doing it from a place of love and respect and equality is really important. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. So the path to this, you said, uh, why am I here? And you know, J- Judge and I spent a lot of time together and we spent a lot of time, you know, studying this, this philosophy and studying these questions. What is integrity? Why am I here? How can I give more than I take? Um, you know, the power of positive thinking. It takes a while. If you're 23 and you're driving in your car right now, you're Allie Becker and you work for Joe Duran and you're thinking, I want to do this and you're kicking it in Chicago. It took us a while and it took feedback from others that were moving in the same direction. So I've figured more. I mean, maybe I don't even know why I'm here, but recently I've had some eye-opening experiences that give me some inclination into thinking, hey, maybe this is why I'm here. It came from reading a lot of books, seeing a lot of speakers, uh, watching a lot of documentaries, talking to a lot of people, and many years. Um, it takes wisdom to know the answer to these questions. And so Joe John's listed off three books he's read. I mean, there's there's thousands, literally thousands of books he's read and experiences he's had to kind of hone in and get closer and closer and closer to this self-awareness of why Joe John's here, why Matt Stewart is here, what aligns with where we're headed in life, at work, in relationships. You develop the filter through what Joe John said, hard work, through this living with integrity. You define, live with integrity, work hard. Define, live with integrity, work hard. And you're narrowing down, narrowing down, and narrowing. Saying, and, then, and then to get very tactical. I've done one thing since I was 14 that very few people do, and I still do it. And this is practical advice I give to everybody here if you want to be successful. 
Do not float along a river with no direction and no idea of what you want. Once you know what you want and who you are, have specific goals. Have a destination. And how do you do that? If you're 23 years old, write down with specificity. I have an actual Excel spreadsheet I populate. Where do I want to be when I'm 25? When you're 26, 27, where do I want to be at 30? And I mean granularity. What kind of income do I want to be making? What kind of job do I want to have? What kind of health do I want to have? What relationships do I have? And write it down, like articulate it as clearly as you can. And you're 23, you don't, like, I had no idea. I just knew I, when I was 18, I'm like, when I'm 20, I'm going to be in America, I'm going to be in college, and I'm going to be setting the groundwork to be successful. And I did it. And I got here and I was like, a 20, when I'm 25, I'm going to be working in a business that is white collar, that I can use my brain, and that I can make an impact. And I'm going to be in a relationship with a loving relationship with someone. And it happened. Now, again, let me tell you why it matters. If you don't know what you want, when the world presents opportunities, you have no way of knowing if they are good or bad for you. Now, if you have a lens, I'm, I'm now in my 50s. So when I write down, this is who I want to be at 55, every decision that comes across my desk, I go, does this take me further or closer to that person that I want to be? And I can tell you, it's, if you compound out at a young age, good habits, one day at a time, every day, and clarity about who you want to be and where you want to be, the world will give it to you as long as you're willing to do the work and have self-awareness and humility. The world will give it to you, but you're going to have to go get it, which means you've got to start with the viewers to where the heck you want to be. That has to be realistic. Like, yeah, I'd love to have a private jet and be Elon Musk, but that's not me and I don't want his life. I think had I had different expectations, I would have had those. But it's always been really important to me that I have enough that I have an amazing relationship with my family, that I'm healthy. My waist size has been 33 inches since I was 20 years old. I exercise seven days a week. Some days it's yoga. I did yoga early this morning, and it's an hour and a half of really hot yoga. Some days it's swimming a mile. Some days, like today, I've got beach volleyball as well as yoga. But there's seven days a week of workout because otherwise I don't sleep well. If I don't sleep well, I'm not going to be as good as I can be the next day. And it affects my mindset. So there's these things you learn about yourself, but you've got to, you've got to start by knowing who you are. And then you've got to have a clear vision of where you want to be in the next three to five years, not 10 years from now. It's too far away. Write down where you want to be in a, in the next two, three, four years. Write down an age and I have an Excel spreadsheet color coded. So that I can make choices. And then when you're facing big choices, which you will have in your life that have uncertain outcomes, which will be true in your life, you can say, does this move me in the direction that I said I wanted to be? And I'll give you a good example. When I sold the first business, I had a two-year non-compete. And I said to my wife, I'm going to graduate school. She's like, why the hell would you be going to graduate school? You've twice. You went twice. Course. You went to yeah. two of them. And so I went because I'm like, well, I know that when I'm 40, I'm going to be building another big company and having an MBA will be very useful. So I went to Columbia and to Berkeley. 
and I got MBAs. And I'm literally, my second book comes out. I'm on TV, and I'm not doing this to boast, but I'm on TV and I'm teaching the entrepreneurship class as a stand-in in, 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 at Columbia University. The students are coming out and I'm on TV on heavy rotation because on Bloomberg on the weekends, we just replay the same recordings that they did. And they were interviewing me for my book. And all these students are like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, I'm laying the groundwork for five years from now, not for today. Like, I didn't learn a lot at grad school because I'd already learned what they were teaching. But it was very useful when I was raising capital, build the second company that all the people who were going to invest were like, yeah, he went to an Ivy League school. And yes, he's a CFA. And yes, he's been successful. Just made it one less issue to overcome. And I learned that these guys with the MBAs were no smarter than me. They just happened to go to a school that gave them the sense that they were better. But it was a union card, and I got the union card. It didn't, I don't know that it was important, but I know that it made it easier to raise the money, which made it easier to build the second company, which allowed me to be more successful. And when I sold to Goldman, does it make a difference that I have a good education? Hell yeah. When they were saying, should I make, we make him a partner when we buy his business, did it make a difference? Of course it did. They were like, well, he's got, he's got the union card, you know? So just to back up a little bit and, and, and sounds so much easier when you say it. And I want to just provide people the opportunity to be patient because it takes time. Does it take time to live with integrity? No, but life is practice. And sometimes you don't practice perfectly. So you want to have a healthy body and once in a while you eat the ice cream, uh, but you know, you want to have a healthy body and you make that decision with the filter of your goals, making the goals. Can you make your three-year goals right now and exactly know where you're headed in three to five years? No, they constantly change. So these, but the funny thing is all of our friends have these goal sheets. They have one-year goals, three-year goals, long-term goals. They've got them for their business. They've got them for their personal life. The act of thinking about it and writing it down gets you closer to the goal. Um, the act of having this filter of where you're headed helps you get closer to happiness because you know, do I move to New York for this job? Yes, it helps me with my goal. Or no, my goal is to stay near my sick mom in California. You don't move to New York. But all of us are writing these goals down and they're evolving over time. All of us are looking to give more than we take. All of us, and you didn't mention, have routines. You know, Joe John had a lunch routine. I knew that Joe John at lunch would either be working out or doing yoga all the time. So did his employees, and so did he, because it was routine. All of us are building circles of supporters and finding friends that lift us as opposed to drag us down. But it takes time. You create a purposeful life by writing down your goals and thinking about it, and then you plug this in. And by the time you're 30, you're going to be a lot closer than if you had it. By the time you're 40, you're going to be a lot closer than... And Matthew, if- look, look, what you're basically laying out is if you can live your life making conscious choices, and by conscious, I mean that you are aware of all the things that might be clouding your judgment, then when you are conscious and you are objective, objective means that you're looking at things in an unbiased, unfiltered way, the way you would if you were advising a friend. That if you're making conscious choices, even if they're wrong, you'll look back and say, I was very deliberate in my decision making, and you won't have regret. And the second is building good habits. Like habits take time to develop. And they say it's at least two weeks of doing something consistently for two weeks, you can start making it into a habit. And the way you think 
will lead you to a set of habits that will either be destructive or constructive to who you are. And so you just have to ask yourself, which habits bring me closer to the best version of me? And only you know what the best version of you is and which habits take me to the worst version of me. We've been in long relationships, you and I, with our, with our spouses. And there are patterns that you'll go through where you're like, this is bringing out the worst in me and the worst in our relation because I've come to expect something that is unreasonable from this person I love. And it's not her. It's me. I have unreasonable expectations. And so I believe very much something I call radical ownership. Anytime you have a broken relationship, anytime you're unsatisfied with anything, just start with a question, what did I do and how do I change it? Because we love, love to blame the world around us. We love to point fingers at the people who made us angry, which is a joke. Nobody can make you angry. Nobody can get you frustrated. You, you either have unreasonable expectations or you have zero self-discipline or you're incredibly selfish, none of which will help you to get rid of the frustration and the anger. So I, I always just go, you know, stop pissing and moaning because it's going to fix nothing. Like cry if you want to and then step back and say, what do I need to change? Not because it's so easy to say to the people that annoy you or frustrate you, you need to do this, you need to do that. And yet you, when they do that, there'll be something else that annoys you. Like the truth is we both know somebody pisses you off, they're going to keep pissing you off because it's not the act. It's your reaction to them and your expectations of them not being rational. So, you know, again, just take ownership of it all. Just, just say anything good or bad, I own it. If, if it's not worked out, I screwed up. Apologize. Just say it's my fault. You know how to diffuse a situation? Anytime something goes wrong, don't let your pride get in the way. Say, I screwed up. Be somebody that everyone goes, man, when there's, when there's a grenade that goes off, that's the first dude who's going to throw his body on the grenade. You'll be the one to take all the shit for everyone. And you know what? That's what leadership is. You know, it, it is what leadership is. It is not taking the glory. It's getting in the mud. It's being equal to everyone and being the one willing to do what no one else is willing to do always. Like I've never been a, a boss or a builder of a business that asks anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do ever because I don't believe that that's useful at all to you as a human. The more you think you're better or superior or different than other people, the more likely you are to be pissed off at the world because you expect it to rotate around your universe. And, uh, you know, when we spent that whole day with the Dalai Lama, some of it was above my head, but there was one comment he made at the small lunch we had that really was impressive to me. And he said, every good act in the world is rooted in humility. So if you want a good life, approach everything with humility. And humility basically means you are no better than anybody and everything is a part of you. The less ego you have, the less you care about you, the more humble you will be and the more the world will provide. As long as you do the work, because it's not getting around the work. So I tell my daughters, like, you know what? You can be you can be Mother Teresa, but guess what? 
she worked like nobody worked. You can be Nelson Mandela, but guess what? He worked really hard to be who he was. You know, there's just no getting around the fact. So try to do something you love, but just know there will be work. Well, I was having PTSD there for a second because for a second there, it was exactly the same spiel I heard right before you threw me on a plane. It took me up to San Francisco <laughs> to meditate for four days. Like, oh no, it's happening again. Does he know I've been mean to Jill and I haven't been as nice as I could be and I have to go on this meditation retreat? Um, I want to back up a little bit because you mentioned your daughters. So your daughters didn't grow up with quite the same life as you no. had yeah. um, or in quite the same circumstances. Any of this information you just said that helped make you the man you are today and help some of our other friends become the people they are today. Think about Sean Baldwin, you know, spoiled as can be. And yet, and yet with all this opportunity to just be the schmuck, you know, he probably was at USC, the world's worst college, uh, ends up being such a wonderful person. Is there anything you would change if you were talking to Baldwin's kids or your own kids or my kids? Yeah. You know, you know, I'd, I'd speak to the parents first because the truth is you will only know the level. Everyone's going to suffer. Everyone's going to have pain in their life. But we got to where we did doing it the way we did, experiencing what we did. And everyone has their own unique voyage. So, you know, I made the mistake early on of, of thinking that my daughters needed to be hungry, needed to be more desperate, needed to fight harder. But they never had to have what I had, that they, they had security that I never knew. And that wasn't fair to them, honestly. What they do know, I would always say to them, though, you know, we had a, two very non-negotiable standards in our family, and everyone should have standards. I, I don't like rules because rules, frankly, I like to break all of them. But I do think you need standards for yourself. And our rules, our standards in our family were very simple. We're kind, and we always do our best. That was it. And so when... When I one of my daughters would bring me a shitty paper that she'd done, before I'd even read it, I'd say, so is this your best work? And my middle daughter, who's so much like me, Jules, she'd, she'd be like 11 or 12. She'd rip it out of my hand before I'd even read it and storm off. And then she'd come back and I give it to me. I'm like, is this your best work? And she would, dad, and rip it out of my hand and leave. And then when she'd bring it to me and sit down and say, read this, I could tell I didn't even need to ask. And I almost never made comments afterwards because that was her best work. I knew it was. If you apply that standard to everything you do, I'm going to be kind and I'm just going to give everything I do, everything I got, always. I'm going to be completely present in this moment and give it everything I got. And live up to your high standards. You're not going to be, you won't be able to blame yourself when things don't work out. And that's good enough. Because things won't work out very, very many times. You know. I doubt anyone in your family or my family will listen to this. But in honor of doing your best and uh, writing well, go bananas, go, go bananas, <laughs> go bananas. I've heard about some of those things your kids have written. So approaching with humility, nothing stable, even if you're growing up with a silver spoon in your mouth, humility, nothing stable, always working. Be kind, work hard, do your Be best. Kind, yeah. work hard. And what you're really saying is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if people, people say that, it's so cliche. 
But what you mean is, why do it if you're not going to give it your all? It tarnishes your reputation if you do something and you don't give it your all. Or if you're not using that filter of what are my goals? Where am I going? Am I acting with integrity? Uh, people see it. it. It blemishes your record. And so you and your family are moving through life, try, practicing as well as you can, practicing as perfect as you can, trying not to have any of those blemishes and using these filters that you've put in place to guide you. Because again, we don't know where we're going. Jules and Charlotte don't know where they're going. They're too young to know where they're going, but they want to be headed in that direction. Of course. And, and you know what? Just live every day so that when you go to bed at night, you can say, I gave it what I had. I did everything I could and spend a little time with the things you like, I could have done these things better and take the time to say, I did these things really well. And just the next day, get up and do it again with as much passion and involvement as you can. Because I tell you one thing, I should not say I dislike anything in this world because it's just an opinion. But if there's one thing I can't abide, it's guys my age who are basically checked out. They've basically given up. They just, some of them are really successful, by the way, but they're like half alive human beings. And I'm like, you know, you're put on this earth to live and experience. You should be relishing in whatever you're doing right now, whatever it happens to be, whether you're eating a cheeseburger or building a business or having dinner with a friend, you're never getting it back. You know, the truth is there are two things that other than money, which everyone wants, there are two things that life is all about. The first is time and the second is energy. Harness your energy. Work on managing your energy. Find things that recharge you and pump you up. Because if you can bring energy to the world, if you can interact with the world and bring juice, it matters. It really matters to you because it comes back to you. And I'll tell you, there's no better gauge, Matt, of the person you are than the people you're surrounded by. And the older you get, the truer it is. When you're young, you don't get to choose. You've got the people you got. So I, would, I thought I was a bad person because I was surrounded by bad people. When I got to be the person I am, I can honestly say, I look at the people surround me, whether it's my wife, my daughters, my friends, my work colleagues. They're like family and they're good people. And whenever I question myself, I go, well, I have one shred of evidence that matters that I might be an okay person. Look at the giants that I'm surrounded by, that I am so proud and love so deeply. And if you can say that, you've made the right choices. Okay, so before, before I let you go, and I know we're running out of time here, why sell to the blue chip companies? I'm sure you had all these offers from all these private equity, venture capital, different companies. Why did you want to sell to GE first and create what became GE's uh, wealth management and then later Goldman Sachs? Was that the little boy on the rock and some insecurity? You just had to check that box or was that goal setting and setting yourself up for the future? Well, look, it was definitely goal setting, especially the first one. When I sold to GE, we had a higher bid from a lesser known, frankly, an insurance company. And we took the lower bid because I'm long-term greedy. I, I thought, I know that at the time, GE was the gold standard. It was run by Jack Welch. It's no longer that way, unfortunately, sadly, but it was the gold standard. 
And I was like, if I sell to GE, I'm setting myself up for the next thing. Goldman was the best bidder. It was also the best place for our clients and the best place for my employees. So I didn't think it was it would be possible, honestly, for a little guy from Zimbabwe to come here and sell a business for hundreds of millions of dollars to Goldman Sachs. It's unimaginable. It's literally... You, you know, would have never I put this on your goal sheet life, way back in time. And I go... But it would it would be it was completely inconceivable. And that's why I say to anyone listening right now, the compounding effect of working every day on yourself and doing your best every day, it's not immediately obvious. But when you do it year after year, day after day, over and over again, to constantly improve, give more, get better, do your best, over time, have faith in the world, take risks knowing you're going to be okay, you'll look back and say, how the heck did it happen? I literally cannot honestly believe it. And yes, I had luck, but we had to overcome a lot of things. There's no conceivable way that I could have ended up here in any way I can imagine other than just the work every day and the universe. Yes, I've been lucky. Like I tap the ground every day and touch wood, but everyone here can have an unbelievable life if you feel like you deserve it. And that's the last thing I'd like to share with you. I'm asked often, what's the one lesson that I would give to anyone? And other than all the things I've talked about, I would say there's one question I ask myself all the time, and it changes everything. And that's the question, what if I'm wrong? It's often said that good entrepreneurs always have a vision and a solution for everything, but I don't believe that's true. No company I've ever built, no company I've ever seen ended up where it first began. You know, Christopher Columbus came to find him, went to find India, he finds the America instead. A much bigger treasure trove, it turns out. But when we set out, you're not going to end up where you think. And so all that matters is the process. You should care less about the outcome and care all about the process because the world will give you some variation of what you wanted, but it won't be exactly what you imagined. And in that process, if you're not willing to be wrong, you will fail. And that's what humility is. It's asking yourself, what if I'm wrong? So when you're in a fight with your spouse or with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and you're angry and your pride's in the way, just stop for a second and say, what if I'm wrong? What if this person actually does love me and is not being disrespectful? What if this person isn't trying to take advantage of me? What if this person really wants to help me? Like, Just take the time to say, what if I'm wrong? Because you will attract better people. You will make better friends. If, and as you know, Matt, I'm a person of huge opinions. But I often, if I know that I overstepped or if I felt like I made a mistake, I'm the first person to say, I'm sorry I was wrong and apologize, create a safe place. And as I've gotten older, I'm getting better at capturing it, capturing it in the moment rather than later. And you're not going to get it right all the time. And don't beat yourself up over it. The last thing I'd say other than this, what if I'm wrong, is that we often limit ourselves by what we think we deserve. And if you think you don't deserve goodness in this world, you will not get it. I have an amazing sister. I have two sisters, but one of them who has the biggest heart in the world. And sadly, while we were growing up in this awful environment, when she was in her early 20s, she she said to me, Joe, you're someone who's meant to be happy, and I'm someone who's meant to be miserable. 
And I said to her, Olga, I love you, but you've got to just accept that you deserve happiness. Even though no one has given it to you, you deserve it. And unfortunately, that battle for her has been decades long of not feeling like she deserves or is worthy of happiness. If you can't, you don't allow yourself to deserve goodness, you'll never get it. So I just want to wrap with that big idea that you deserve it. You're, you're a good person. You just need to be that way. And that's just work. Like that's a choice. So if you don't, if you don't end up in a good place, the world might have gotten you there, but there's no reason for you not to be in a good place mentally because you did your bit. You felt good. You gave more than you took. You had discipline. You did your best. And you got set back and you got up again and you did it again. And at the very least, you'll be surrounded by people you love and you'll be proud of the life you lived. And that's all you can have. At the end, when you die and you go back to being dust and you disappear to whatever you had disappeared to, whatever you believe in, as long as you can say, I gave it what I had. With everything I was given, I did everything I could. And I, I, when I was in church, I remember going, being in, the, when I was growing up, the religious instruction teacher going, this is how you're going to be judged. And you're going to go to, to uh, uh, purgatory for this period of time based on these, these, these sins, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, I just hope that when I die, whatever God is there will say, well, what did you do? And I'll say, this is what you gave me. And this is what I did with it. And as long as I can feel good that I did everything I could with what I was given, if that's not good enough, then just send me wherever I meant to go. Because that should be all that I can. That's all I can do, right? It's all that anyone here can do. So I hope this was useful. Uh, I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Joe John, thank, thank you so much for stopping and making another selfless deposit to help other people uh, find their happiness and, and uh, find their path to what they're meant to do in this world. I really appreciate you uh, making time for us today. Tell Sean Baldwin, we did drop his name. Like I try to do every podcast. Uh, let me just say one thing. Cause I mentioned Charlotte and Julie, uh, Juliet, but I never mentioned Sammy. Oh, Sammy. She's a lovely daughter. And I don't want her to think that she was excluded from the conversation. So. Oh, yeah. Well, we see Sammy the most now that the other exactly. two moved out on us and exactly. went into the wild blue yonder. Hi, Sammy. Your dad did a great job as always. Joe John, thank you very much for making time. Really appreciate you coming on our highly rated, most prestigious podcast that you've ever been on. Have a great day on the beach and I will see you soon. I love you, Matt Stewart. You're the best, man. And thank you for doing something lovely for the world. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.